What's up? What's up, everybody? We're back with part two of the meat podcast with no plane to catch and alcohol this time. Cheers. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, the last podcast was part one and, um, yeah, we're going to follow up with part two. And, uh, also it was almost better that it went in two parts because we got a lot of, we got some feedback and then we got some questions too that we can finish out on. And on the plus side, Jordan made it on her plane. Yeah. Oh, we had plenty of time. We could have finished it. I think we left here at like 1135 and her plane took off at 1230. So yeah. good thing the Boise Airport close. security is lickety splickety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was maybe a little close one time. Just once. I thought. I was like, oh, damn. This might be kind of close. <laughs> the line was super long. But uh, anyways, before we get kicked off, we're powered by Onyx Hunt Maps, which we love to use. And now uh, you can get 20% off by entering code ROCKCAST at checkout. That's a good New Year's gift to give. Do you give New Year's gifts? I don't know. You could. All right, so we're going to roll through. We went through one side of the notes page that Leah wrote wrote out written up <laughs> written out jeez wow and uh yeah it's it's uh We're just gonna hit up the next <laughs> next side 2021 is almost over um yeah yeah we'll just hit up the next side and then we'll tackle the questions and stuff like that after yeah um i had a couple of things i wanted to circle back on from the last episode in mm-hmm. that uh I talked to a professional, that professional being my father. Mm-hmm. He listened to the podcast mm-hmm. and what, said it, said we did all right. Said we did all right. Said you curse too much. But he said <laughs> I say shit a lot. Yeah. So well, this is uh, an explicit podcast. So I'm sorry. You do what you feel. People. Um, I didn't even know I said shit once. If I was being honest, it just <laughs> flows out. Like, <laughs> um, Yeah. Guilty of that myself. And, uh, you know, it's just because you're passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go just, with that. Yeah. So you're getting, I mean, you're getting the real Leah. Mm-hmm. So this one's for so. dad. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, he uh, wanted to make sure that everybody knew that if they were going to make their own at home um, uh, shed that had an air conditioner in it and then, you know, you insulate it and you're trying to make your at home cooler that you need to have an air conditioning person come out in the regular at home window unit air conditioners. The thermostat does not go low enough to get cold enough. And so mm-hmm. you need to, uh, have an air conditioner person adjust the thermostat so you can go low enough in order to get the, the whole mm-hmm. situation as cold as you want it to be. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that was about it. He also told me to stop saying, um, so I I, say I'm a lot. I'll work on that. (laughs) I haven't said fricking that yet though. (laughs) Oh, dads. Um, so anyways, uh, last time we talked about getting the step one, getting the animal off of the mountain. Uh, something that I wanted to circle back on that was, what uh, the most important part keeping the meat clean and i don't really think we talked about it that much um i yeah i wanted to kind of talk about how 
what what you can use that you already have in your bag to try and keep mm-hmm. stuff clean. Like when we went and had my got my elk this year, um, basically we just had a couple extra game bags so we could kind of line those out yeah. and lay them on that. And I had the meat in the snow, which is way more forgiving than the dirt. So you can roll, kind of roll it around in the snow. If, mm-hmm. if it falls off your game bag in the snow, not life or death situation on the, on the dirty front. Uh, whereas if you're on just regular dirt, if it slides off the game bag, it's like instant dirt mud zone on your meat, which kind of sucks. Yeah. So you can use a couple of game bags and kind of line, line them next to each other. If you're working on one quarter and you know, by the time you get, I guess you get to the last quarter, you're out of game bags, but, um, you can use them to kind of protect your meat and have it underneath there. And then we, on our trek in kind of dumped all of our bags and stupidly threw out a vitally important piece of uh, material that would have helped keep all of the quarters clean. And what was that, Jordan? That was a tarp, like a sheep tarp. That specific one was a sheep tarp from Kafaru. And uh, I usually, or we've carried, I've carried a tarp on every hunt this year. And we've used it a few times, like just to get out of the weather. It was a pretty vital piece of gear in Alaska and then when we were scouting like getting out of the sun um archery hunting yeah. getting out of the sun midday when everything's taking a nap and we want to take a nap yeah put that yeah. up for shade for us it works good and like I think that uh the thing weighs like 11 ounces maybe or 10 ounces might be nine ounces I don't remember but it's under a pound and it's um yeah pretty small and it's really nice but we what you can do is lay it out and then that gives you a clean surface to throw all your meat on, mm-hmm. um, which I've done before, but I just like blanked it. And another thing I usually have is uh, like a black contractor bag. Like trash those bag. Gigantic ones. Yeah. Like for a 50 gallon drum or trash barrel, you know? Um, yeah. And then you can like lay your meat on that too. And then if you want to keep all your gear dry, you can like put all the meat inside that when you put it in your pack put the meat inside the the bag inside the yeah meat inside the bag it'll just keep your pack from getting bloody and your like clothes and gear whatever else you have in there it'll keep it from getting bloody see i would go like if it was me i would go the opposite i would put my clothes and stuff inside the trash bag yeah because you're probably going to use the load shelf potentially or maybe not in Mm -hmm. in your bag and so the bag's going to get muddy or or bloody anyways so i would just want to protect my clothes but Let's be real. Maybe yeah. maybe it's a good thing to have a reason to wash our clothes every once in a while, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, yeah. I the merino wool's great, even... but sometimes you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. You got to be careful with that, especially if it's hot and like you go right from the deer, elk or whatever, right into a freaking black trash bag and then pack out when it's hot. Like that's not the good idea. I, that but... It's, yeah. And that's, I think why I would chose to put my clothes in the trash bag Yeah, because I want that meat to get as much air as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It just kind of depends what you've got in there and what the deal is. We put our, I guess the sheep anyways, we put in, um, trash bags because we had all the rest of our gear and all that shit. And like for us, we're coming back after a trip and we're re, you know, we're unwinding for like a guide or something like that that's going on back-to-back trips like it might be kind of more important for them to keep their packs like half-ass yeah half-ass non-bloody sorry true so they don't get grizzle bared <laughs> could be a thing um so yeah. yeah i think that was one of the big ones that yeah i just i was 
afterwards and I listened to the podcast and I was just like, dang, I forgot to talk about putting that sheep tarp down. And when you're like deboning and, and everything, it's really nice to yeah. not have your meat. Cause your meat's like, you got to roll it around and stuff so much when you're trying to debone. And, uh, it's nice to be able to roll it around on a clean piece. I mean, it's impossible mm-hmm. to take a piece off of a mountain and not have one stick of yeah. dirt on there, but I'm pretty anal about it. And it, it, makes me happy to have like a sheep mm-hmm. tarp or something and i was pretty frustrated with the just having the the bags it worked and honestly our meat came out with like pretty minimal d- yeah. dirt on it but if you're not paying attention and you get a bunch of dirt on your meat when you're trying to cut it up later or at least cut the rind off your knife is going to need sharpened like 10 times a hundred billion uh, times yeah it's amazing what a tiny yeah. bit of dirt on the outer like layer of your rind can do to a blade yeah, and uh, I think what hurt us on that trip a little bit too is the snow was melting, and At so it was high like rate muddy. Of speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it just like it was kind of the perfect storm for the situation we had going. But um, yeah, good tips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we talked about getting uh, meat off the mountain, uh, at home, hanging it up getting it cooled off all that good stuff uh then we talked about all the tools that you're going to need knives cutting boards grinders etc and that's about where i think we made it when the panic of the airplane we should touch um on the knives a little bit more uh infield the infield knives that we like to use you like to use the outdoor edge oh in uh, the field knives yeah okay yeah in the field there's just a couple questions on that um i would say like I mean, in the past, I've just used whatever knives I have in the field. I've just used them in in the kitchen. No. <laughs> to, like, cut them up. Well, honey, It gives me heart I, palpitations <laughs> in the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now I have, like, the Benchmade uh, Meat Crafter. Mm-hmm. It's going to be gonna pretty nice. Try that out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the, in the field, I have an outdoor edge, three and mm-hmm. a half inch, um, that I have really liked. Um, I didn't realize how cheap the blades were to replace. And so I, being the, <laughs> the tight wad that I am, I was like sharpening the blades and like using yeah. like, and, and the thing is you really, those things keep an edge for a long time. Yeah. I, I was doing multiple deer like per uh, per, per blade and everything. And, um, and then sharpening it. And I think I had one blade on there for like two or three years. I've had the knife forever. And I finally just went through the whole like first six pack of blades that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And I stopped in shields on my way to Colorado and was going to grab some more blades because I knew I only had one left and it was nine ninety nine for a pack of six. Yeah, they're cheap. And That's I was like, nice. holy smokes, <laughs> I've been so tight on these and like trying to make them last as long as possible, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's good. It's good to be thrifty. My grandparents would be very happy with me yeah, on that. Um, but uh, yeah, it is kind of funny. So if you, if you want to switch out your blades, it's okay. They are affordable. Yeah. Um, the other blade that I do have um, is uh, my dad gave me, uh, it's probably a four or five inch um, fixed blade mm-hmm. that is nice if you're, maybe if you're dealing with um, like a whitetail or something like that that has a little softer uh, chest cavity, you can run yeah. that like a fixed blade up along the cartilage yeah. in the rib cage and mm-hmm. kind of split the sternum to get them open and cooled out a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to do that with a, with a 
interchangeable blade because they're just a little bit weaker. No, I mean, you would never, <clears throat> especially with like the Havilon style blades. I don't know. I'm moving away from them. Like, I always carried like a little fixed blade and then a replaceable blade, which was typically like Havilon. I say Havilon style because it's like, and I still have it like my little Taito or whatever for, I, I really like them for like caping out the face and stuff like that when we're um, guiding. That's really nice. And then, yeah, I mean, they're handy for some situations, but they just, you just got to be really careful with them. I just had blades that like when they break, they go freaking flying. That's the scary part is they go flying and they're sharp as hell. So yeah, it could be a little Anyways. dangerous. Yeah. And normally you're like right there down close to it trying to whittle on something or or pry something when they break and so your face and oh, everything's yeah. pretty darn close. Mhm. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. And then That's you all. have you have a benchmade pocket knife? Oh yeah. I just carry yeah, just like a regular benchmade pocket knife with me and then then I've used the Argali ones a bit. Cool. And um yeah, but uh, for Christmas, I got an, a new outdoor edge from you that has the gut blade on it that mm-hmm. swings out. So I'm going to go back to using that one just because it's a little more sturdy for things like that. So, yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, since we talked about all the gear that you kind of need... Um, I, you know, I didn't, I, now that I see on my paper here, uh, I do have a random little side note that says Sawzall. <laughs> the Sawzall. Yeah. Um, we've used the Sawzall a bit. Like there, when I grew up, we, we would quarter out an elk, like you were quartering out a beef when you were cutting it. My dad would bring a hatchet and like two hatchets so he could put one in the backbone and smack the back of the other one like down the spine like we straight up split the spine in half took the entire rib cages out like full on entire half of an elk on a horse and then another entire half of an elk on the other horse uh since then we haven't we haven't done that in a while but there Mm -hmm. was a there was a time that we switched to just bringing a sawzall in with us Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we just saws all down the back too and if you want to take out the whole thing if you got horses you can do it Mm -hmm. um but we have since moved to uh just taking out the quarters and neck meat and and uh you know your tenderloins and stuff like that yeah um just kind of realizing and you know we can take the rib roll and stuff out too but just realizing that if you take the the rib, you don't really need to take all those rib bones out and like the spine bones. It's just like a lot of meat on the horse and it's harder to get it in the pack bags and stuff like that. So we kind of yeah. changed, changed it up since I was a kid. Um, so Sawzall's good. And then like, even like at home, if you got your deer hanging up and you want, you can just Sawzall or, or just a bone saw off the ribs and just have a rack of ribs if you want. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of nice uh, mm-hmm. to be able to just kind of chop things into more manageable pieces. Um, and then, yeah, you just need a, a trash. Um, I think, we, did we talk about the grinder? Um, we, I think that's right think where we, we were I think we barely started to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. If you want a grinder, the one I have, I think is like a three quarter horsepower maybe from Cabela's. It's not like an industrial one, but it's not, it doesn't suck either. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's like a Cabela's brand. 
and uh, things kick ass. I mean, what I've used of it, like for deer and stuff, and for for most people, if they're doing like an elk or a couple elk a year, like it's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're, I would say, if you're doing, I mean, for like a processor, obviously that wouldn't work. No, yeah, I mean the the grinder we had at the store was like you could throw an entire deer into it and it rotates on the inside like and mixes up the meat and everything as well yeah. as it augers it mm-hmm. out um i mean you can it it you can throw 100 pounds or more in there um yeah so yeah a big commercial processor is gonna laugh at your little your little dinky guy yeah. um but i i think the main like you and and yours works fine you know, and there's oh, a yeah. lot of them that work fine that. Yeah. I mean, if you do like regular size pieces, I don't know, like the size of a, I don't know. It'll run like pieces like that through it. Like a baseball. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're just like, going to grind it, like if you just, yeah, cut them up like the size of a baseball, like it'll grind it faster and you can feed it in. Mm-hmm. So like, it's perfect for like what we're doing. Yeah. I think. And, and, and then for most can, people that shoot oh, yeah. one deer a year, whatever, like that's going to work mm-hmm. just fine. Um, I have the, I think the key, uh, to a good grind is all of your elements, including the meat need to be cold. If you've been cutting all day and that meat's been sitting on your counter and it's warm 90 de- or not 90 degrees, but, uh, 70 degrees as your house is, you know how it gets all kind of like soft and, mo- and, and like foot, I don't know, like not mushy, but like yeah, it's I, not as firm, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I would say if you if you got the room, go and toss that in the freezer while you're wrapping all of your steaks and everything like that, so the meat can get back cold. If not, I mean, I would wait an hour, put it in the freezer, wait a while. You want it to be like a little frosty on the outside if even you know like the colder it is like if it's fully frozen obviously that's not going to work but like pretty darn cold is what you want that meat to be and then the elements of the grinder are also important to be cold and so you can throw those in the fridge and have those cold so that's your plate and your blade Mm -hmm. and your auger you want all three of those pieces for sure to be (laughs) cold um because all of those elements working together, uh, you want to have like a nice, fresh and crisp grind going through. Yeah. Um, so if everything's cold, it, the meat won't get mushy. It won't, it, it, it won't get heated up. So like sometimes I feel like if you have hot meat coming out, it, it looks like tuna or something, you know, yeah, like it's, it, it's, mushy. it's just gets mushy. And then like, I, I do think it kind of factors into kind of your texture of your cheeseburgers later or, you know, if you're trying to do sausage or anything, it's just, yeah, it's just not a good texture. Oh, it does for sure. Because I had, uh, one of my deer I took to a processor and it was like a quick turnaround deal. Like I dropped it off to him and was like, Hey, if I could pick this up on Sunday or whatever, like that'd be awesome. And they're like, yeah, we can get it done. I got back when I started eating it, I would like thaw it out and be like, it looked like mushy. And I'm like, they ran this through the grinder too much. And then we were looking at it at one point and you're like, oh yeah, that's cause it was warm when they did it. So I'm sure like right when I brought it in and like, you know, I just had it in coolers cooling. I'm sure that they just tossed it in like that. Yeah, they probably, cause you just wanted, 
you had kept whatever steaks you wanted out yeah. of it, right? And then mm-hmm. you just basically were just going to burger the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. So they probably just whoop, 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 threw it in and mm-hmm. and ground it without it being very cold. And yeah, it just kind of gets mushy and nasty. Yeah. Um, so then with the grinder, you've got your different plate sizes, right? Uh, and I probably should have looked up what the size of the actual holes are, but I'm just going to go with big holes and small holes, people. <laughs> um, so your big holes, like you always want to start and you do two grinds when you're doing burger and stuff. Um, and it's up to you if you want to use soot or uh, pork fat beef fat mm-hmm. type of a additive if you want to add that in um if i'm doing regular burger i like to use uh beef and if i'm doing sausage i like to use pork uh, you can normally go to your local grocery store and ask the butcher counter if they have any in the back or like i know winco here just randomly has it like wrapped and out in the cases you can go and just get a chunk of pork fat if mm-hmm. you want it um that is also vitally important to have you so you want to grind that up either at when you buy it and then you can freeze it or if you grind it up it the fat really when you grind it gets hot and so if you're going to grind it I would almost say grind it up first if you're doing it in the exact same kind of moment because it's hard to chop it into small enough pieces Mm -hmm. to mix it in with your meat so you can use your big your big hold head and use that grind up your fat make sure it's like basically frozen when you're doing that then throw back in the freezer put it all of your meat in the freezer all that stuff cut you know finish up your wrapping everything else um and then when you go to mix your meat and stuff with it uh with everything cold do that big grind uh, again with the large whole plate as your first grind it'll mix the fat in really nicely it'll it'll be a nice big thicker um uh just grind that comes out of there yeah meat that comes out and then switch out your plate to the small plate mm-hmm. of your choosing if you like really tiny holes yeah they're like all numbered they'll be like a number nine and number yeah. 10 i don't know if that's right I, yeah and i pro- i should have looked them up mm, before we did this okay. but um yeah, so the smaller hold plate that you would like your burger to end up being at the end of the day mm-hmm. is then switched on there and then go ahead and grind the mixture that you have created already in there. Um, also, with if you're going to make sausage, um, well, here, I'll give you the, the burger to fat ratio. Yeah, yeah we need that. So I nor- normally do, you can do 10 to 15% uh, beef fat to burger. So if you've got... 10 pounds of burger you want to do a pound of fat in with it is and that'll basically like you don't have to do that i mean you don't have to put beef in with it but your burgers will shrink a ton with it right uh it's more that they fall apart yeah so okay. the fat holds it together gotcha um and i know some uh i have a friend at work that was just telling me that she uses like polish sausages and stuff that she just throws polish sausages in with her with her meat and uses that as like an additive so you can kind of you can free ball it you know like there's no set in stone way to do this um so yeah it's just like kind of just using whatever you want to add if you don't want to just add fat if you want to add something else that has some spice to it or whatever Uh like go for it um and then with sausage i do 30 percent pork fat yeah Um, and that's just kind of the ratio that my dad had laid out in the, in the store. Uh, again, 
if you think that's too fatty, you can adjust it. And like the the world is your oyster. Like change it up. Like yeah. do whatever you want. I've heard even for like links, like sausage links and stuff, you should be like between 30 and 40 hmm. for like cuz it has something to do with like the casing and like how it when you smoke it, like how it sets up. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. I would and YouTube. I would really like to get someone on here that like really knows how to make sausage links yeah, and brats too. and stuff like that. If any of you guys are masters in such concoctions, like let's go, let's talk about it because I would love to, you know, kind of learn how to make brats and stuff. And uh, that's something yeah. that I have not taken on yet. And we kept a whole quarter of your deer just to play with. So it's like, yeah. okay, so let's we can, learn how to do this stuff. So we can do things like that. I've done it a little bit. Um, the, the case, like stuffing the casings kicks my ass. <laughs> like they just break open. And like right now we don't have, we have like the smoker, like the green mountain smoker, but like the problem with ones like that and like the Traegers and whatever is like, for one, they don't really get low enough heat. And for two, they, it doesn't stay consistent. So, like, when you need it to be 140 degrees, like, they don't go down that far mm -hmm. to start with. Um, and then it's not consistent. So, like, if you have it, you have, like, a, you know, a roll of them, like, a giant roll of them on there. It's, like, one side's freaking burning and the other side, you can tell, doesn't really look like it might be done. So, it's just, like, mm -hmm. it's pretty inconsistent. So, yeah, we were looking at, like, those, I think it's some master built like one of those smokers you could it's a small one but it's electric you could hang stuff in it so mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know <laughs> anything but uh yeah and that's the cool thing about that uh grinder too is when you buy it it comes with all the stuff to all the attachments to stuff with because i got a stuffer that's like a hand crank stuffer that sucks like don't do it sucks it like it is so hard to turn that thing once you get like halfway down that oh it's like on another level um but yeah the, power is that nice. grinder yeah you just electricity leave, leave the auger in it take your knife out and it there's like a little um yeah like a little plastic auger that you stick where the knife was the blade it, you mean the blade yeah. yeah well the knife i got scared the blade when you said knives, I was like, like Edward Scissorhands, like <laughs> knifing things. Um, but yeah, and then you put a tube on, there's like different size tubes and all that. Uh -huh. So, and then it's electric stuffing, which is really kick-ass. Yeah, we're going to play with it a little bit more, but yeah. we'll probably fail a little bit. So maybe, maybe we need to find some, a meat master. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I would like to have somebody on. That'd be awesome. Um, so anyways, uh, if you're doing your pork sausage, uh, you want to throw all your seasonings and stuff in before you start grinding, even the first grind, like full on sausage or seasonings, mm -hmm. whatever you want. I mean, we went, um, we, I think I ended up with like, uh, an American sausage, um, and nice. an Italian sausage that we did a bunch of stuff out of this year. Sweet. And there's a bajillion options. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Jordan, uh, definitely is more like the uh adventurous one yeah the i have habanero. two that i know Damn. are good and i'm like stick with it i'll probably be yeah. using them for the rest of my life and mm -hmm. jordan's like "Ooh, let's try this mango habanero and the you know this yeah, teriyaki there was something a buffalo blah, blah, blue blah, blah. cheese one yeah they sound good oh yeah you know it <laughs> <laughs> 
But after you like put your seasoning on, and then you like put a little bit of cold water with it to spread it out, no, or do I you just dry it? No, normally I just uh, put it on dry, dry and then mix it with your hands mm. and stuff, and mix it so that way all all of the pieces of meat and the fat and everything just have a good yeah. good layer on it. But gotcha. I mean, I guess you could put some water. I in read it. that somewhere. Just like a little bit, like not that much, like just a little bit of cold water. It'll just like spread the seasoning out more. So it's like not stuck to one place where it's like, that's a lot of seasoning. And mm-hmm. then that's not as much in the next bite, which it probably doesn't matter because you're grinding it all yeah. after you put it on anyways. But I mean, know. it probably can't hurt either. Yeah. So why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyways, I think we went through it. Big holes. On your first grind, smaller holes. On your second grind, make sure everything's cold, meat, and all the pieces of the grinder. And yeah. then, yeah, just just wrap it in whatever size you want. You know, if you got a big family, do two-pound packages. you got a small family, do one, you know? Yeah. That is the main thing about when you process your own meat, it's so nice to be able to do it however the hell you want. Like, you like thick steaks? Sweet. You like tiny little, like, fryer-upper steaks? Cool. Like yeah. We're uh, big proponents of not pre-cutting steaks. Yeah. And that's the segue yeah. oh. into the technique. Mark. I want one more. Oh, okay. Uh, cheese. So if you want to put cheese into it, which I do, uh, you need high temp cheese. And you can get that from like pretty much any meat processing place. Um, they'll have high temp cheese. You can order it online. It'll come in like a cooler box. But you have to have that high temp cheese because otherwise, if you can imagine, uh, when you're smoking it and stuff, regular cheese will melt very fast. You could have quite the mess on your hands. But if you want like the little pieces of cheese that are like, they're warm when you get them off the grill or whatever. High temp cheese. Good to know. Good info. Oh, yeah. Um, All right. Let's go. Let's talk about technique. Um. I've got a couple of little sayings in here um, that I feel like have been beaten into my head. Number one, the bone is your friend. If you stick right next to your bones, you're not going to waste any meat. You're going to be able to just slice all that the meat right off of there and it'll come out in the chunks that you need it to be in. Mm -hmm. If it's deboned in the field, you're already done with this step. Yeah. So boom, there you go. the next thing I'll say is I think it's kind of easiest, especially if you have no clue what you're doing. And even like I have lots of clues on what I'm doing, but I, I do what, what I, the technique I call it is call it seam it out. So I find the seams in between like the each muscle, muscle groups, groups yeah. and you can just follow those seams with your knife or you can stick your hand in there and just move your fingers across there. And most of the time those seams will just pop right open. Um, you got to use your knives on the actual attachments where the tendons and the, mu- and the muscles attach to the bones. Um, but otherwise, in between the muscles, muscle to muscle, like touching, most of the time you can just like put your hands in there and swipe through there and it'll kind of separate out. Yeah. Um, the um, You got to cut off the, the rind before you can even get to that part so I kind of skipped a step but 
I just fully cut off all of that hard rind that has been created or any slimy stuff if you weren't able to hang it up and get a, get a grind on it. Anything that, you know, is nasty on the outside. I just like full on skin the whole thing again. Um, and then you start piecing it out in in your different muscle groups. Um, and then on to Jordan's point is we like to leave, especially on deer and smaller game, all those muscle groups just in their whole form um so say you have like your eye of round instead of cutting it into little steaks (laughs) okay so do the names matter no do knowing what they are like it doesn't matter to know kind of what things are somewhat yes yes so basically just in the form in the fact of like knowing that the round all of the rounds are in the in the hind quarter, the buttocks, if you will. Yes. <laughs> so you got your top round, your bottom round, your eye of round. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter kind of what those are. As long as you know which direction the grains of the muscle are going. And you always want to slice with your knife when you're cutting steaks and stuff across the grain, perpendicular to the grain. It'll make things more tender if you cut things perpendicular to the grain of the um of the muscle and basically uh if you're cutting out everything and it looks like a steak keep it as a steak if you don't know the names of everything it's fine if it looks like there's a bunch of tendons and weird stuff flying through there and you're like yeah i don't know it's probably burger you know, like that's like the, the easiest way that I would say is like, if it looks like you could eat it like a steak, keep it like a steak. And, and it, like you don't that. have to have the names. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be all fancy dancy and, and know all of this stuff. But if and then, you know, it, as you go along, you might realize like, man, I, I had that steak that, that I took off last time. And it was tough as hell. And that's probably going to be like your mock tender. <laughs> yeah. And that's why it's called the mock tender because it's, it, it looks like it should be a tenderloin, but it's not. And it's tough to eat in certain animals. Yeah. And that comes off of your front leg. Yep. So <laughs> look at you. I'm learning. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, I think even though like the, the names don't matter, mm-hmm. like you should label it some way. So then you know what it was that you pulled off. Like, for example, if I were to ask you off of the hind quarter, what piece would we probably keep as steaks and what would we cut up, even though it's still in like a solid form, what would we cut up smaller for like carne asada or something? Um, I would say like the bigger pieces, like the, um, you're always going to want to keep like your sirloin as a steak, which is, and it kind of lives on the top of the big muscle groups. Okay. Your tri-tip also lives kind of on the top of the muscle groups. Um, and your tri-tip is like basically what's off of the back strap, right? The so, yeah. back strap side of the hind quarter. Mm-hmm. And then it, and it sure. circles around the, the round. And so it kind of gives it that T type of a look okay. or an arrowhead is kind of what it, I think it actually looks like. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it, it, the reason that we like to keep them in big pieces is then later you can decide, do I want to make carne asada out of this? Do I want to keep it into steaks? Do I want to cut it into steaks or do I want to cut it? Do I want to cook it whole? 
and then cut it after I've cooked it into steaks. Um, I think that it, it, I'm not a professional chef by any means, but I think that the, the more rare that wild game is, the more tender it is. If you overcook wild game, it's way less forgiving than a, like a beef steak that has a ton of, um, uh, of fat and stuff like that in it. Um, because that the fat in a beef steak is going, the marbling is going to make it so it's nice and kind of tender. You don't get marbling in wild game. It is super lean. And so <laughs> if you overcook it, you're just, it's like jerky. You're just going to eat it. And so I like to yeah. keep things in as big a piece as possible so I can cook it, make sure that the inside of it's nice and tender and nice and, and rare. So that way, when I slice it into steaks, like everything's like kind of a, a good cook on the inside. Yeah. Pull it off at 140. Get an internal temp mm-hmm. gauge and pull it off at 140. That's that's Jordan's cheat trick that she has decided yeah. that she's got her little internal yeah. temp. I do the whole tap tap with my finger test and see if it's like bouncy yeah, still I can't or hard as that. a rock still. So. If you don't want to do the tap tap test, you can get a thermometer. And Jordan thinks 140 is the prime, the prime temperature. So. Yeah, pull it off like just as you're approaching 140. Mm-hmm. Shut the grill off. Yeah, and then pull it off <laughs> soon after. Said um, by the professional. And as to your uh, previous question, and you asked what you would keep into steaks and what you wouldn't. Um, if I'm dealing with a whitetail, I keep all of it basically into steak form or, or in a big chunk form that I can decide later what I want to mm-hmm. create. Um, because it's so tender it, this year with my big bowl, yeah. you can tell just even cutting oh God. It, mm-hmm. that it's like, my knife is just not slicing through it. Like it, like a, like a white tail. And I'm like, all right, so we're going to start you bringing in other equipment, which in, I, in this case I have a, um, tenderizer, which is a cuber. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you make, um, cube steak, or as some people like to call it, chicken fried steak. Yeah, or like minute steak, I think is what they label it some Okay, places. yep, yep. Yeah, I've seen steak. people uh, label it that way. Yep. So it's called a lot of different things. But basically, you're putting in those tougher cuts through a tenderizer, and it basically just kind of slices little mini holes in that steak and tenderizes it because it's a tough cut of meat. Um, so I think I did like three quarters of our steaks off of the back instead of leaving them into big chunks. Like I normally would do. Mm-hmm. I, I kept a couple of the rounds and left them in big chunks, but they're so big. Like I, it was comical actually. Cause I, I hadn't got a big bull elk uh, since I was a teenager mm-hmm. and, and I haven't been cutting meat in the store for so long. I forgot how big, that a, a round on an elk is compared to a round on a deer. And I was like, good Lord, this <laughs> thing is big. <laughs> and so, you know, what normally would be one package of meat, uh, I, cu- I would cut the round into like three or four pieces and still have like big chunks, three or four big chunks of meat. Um, but yeah, so we, and my grandma was in charge of uh, Cuban the steak and she's, you know, 
Errors on the side of Cubit. Errors on the side of Cubit, for sure. And I was trying to convince her. I, f- I had to finally go over there and take some steaks away and was like, dude, stop Cubing everything. Damn, you know? And But it's it, it's just kind of funny. That's like her mentality. That's how she eats steak. Like she breads and fries it or she just yeah. sautés them in butter and cooks them until they're rock hard. And that's just the way, you know, yeah. She she if she had her way, every single cut would be cubed. Um, and so... I mean, that's fine. Every and and the beautiful thing is, if it's her deer and that's what she wants, I'd do the whole damn thing. Like and if it's your deer and if that's what you want. Yeah. Cool, bro. Like do it. Yeah. I for one don't want all of uh, everything to be cubed. Um so Yeah, and you just, don't you don't need like a cuber or a machine to do that either. <clears throat> you have the, those mallets. Yeah, it's just a different type of, I mean, it tenderizes it. Like you, when you beat the crap yeah. out of it with those mallets, it does do that. It's just a, a different type of a thing because these cubers have little, they're like two round cylinders that roll together and the blades intermingle like your fingers yeah. when you bring it your like two hands together. both sides exactly yeah. like so opposite of the if other. So if there's tendons and anything like that that are running through those stakes, it's going to kind of put little mini slices in those. Whereas if you're just beating the crap out of your steak, like those those tendons are still going to be there, but they're just going to be beat up a little bit. And so yeah. I think it does kind of help with that, but yeah. Yeah. But they do have for like a budget option. Yeah. They do have the mallets that have the little spikies mm-hmm. on the end of it. Or, you know, a nice Whack big it. pan <laughs> and a good yeah. hard surface. Hammer. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what you got? Oh, I was just um, looking at my notes here. I, I think I just said, you know, what to burger versus what to carne asada versus what to sausage. Uh, I think that's just kind of like your own personal preference. Like we've been talking about. Um, if you're like a good example would be like, we were just talking about like grandma wants to cube everything. I want to keep everything in in big chunks so I can decide later if I want to slice it into steaks or if I want to, uh, keep it whole, cook it like a roast if I really wanted to Mm -hmm. or anything like that. My dad, uh, and I, and I do as little burger as possible. Because it just seems like it's that's the only thing I ever have left in the freezer is the burger. I yeah. so I make, I'll do like maybe if whatever I'm gonna grind, I will have, I'll I'll take half of it and make the different sausages and stuff out of it. So that way I have sausage and and that's like my option instead of cheeseburgers and stuff. And I mean I I'll use instead of like burger, I use Italian sausage for my uh, pastas and yeah. stuff like that. So it's just like adds flavor to your dishes and for burgers too yeah sausage yeah i've been known to do an italian sausage burger i don't know i'm just and and maybe i don't know maybe i had an overload of regular burger when i was a kid or what i don't really know but i just it tends to be the last thing that i pull out and so it's always what's left over in the freezer at the end of the year so i just try and make as little of it as possible so if i get something like uh you know uh something some trim that mm-hmm. I was taking off of something else. If there's a big enough piece, I'll slice it into little carne asada and, and keep it as a, uh, you know, taco carne asada type of stuff and wrap yeah. it as such uh, labeled as such. And so I just have a little bit less burger, but like my dad, he's like the burger King. I, I bet he yeah. eats two cheeseburgers a week and it just depends he just who wants it burger. Is. And mm-hmm. so uh, when he's cutting, if he's got a big piece of trim that he's cut off, he's like sweet, more burger, boop throws it in the pile for burger. So yeah. it just, it, it like the beautiful thing about this is once you learn how to do it, you can change it up 
every animal you get, every, you know, your technique yeah. of how, what you want to keep or what you don't can forever be changing. Um, I mean, I've got buddies yeah. that, uh, you know, are trying to do like uh, Asabuco and stuff like that. I think I said that right. I have uh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically uh, the bottom of the lake people call the shank. And oh, we got a question on that. Oh, did we? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll circle back and we'll read that question. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, I have I grew up with my dad being like, that's burger. Because, you know, there's a yeah. ton of your lower legs on those have a ton of sinew, silver skin, tendons, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and so I always just kind of, okay, burger. But then I moved in with some friends that are really into cooking wild game. And they're like, oh, no, dude, you got to put in the pressure cooker with this. You know, da, 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 da. And all of those, all that silver skin and, and tendons and stuff turns into butter. And I was like, no way until they made it for me. And I was mm-hmm. like, hot damn that is delicious and yeah. so there's there's so many ways to do this it's insane and i'm i am yeah. still ever evolving in the way like i grew up doing it one way and then you know changing it up to do it something else and if we have multiple animals a year i could change it up in between yeah you know so it's that's the beautiful thing about it <clears throat> yeah i think that uh i we should do top three recipes that we do with me oh you're gonna toss this at me without a lot of thought i got a lot of recipes going in my head oh there's not that many that we do a lot i was thinking like just backstrap how we've been doing that obviously it matters (laughs) and then well no you can't just say backstrap you you said recipe you got to tell the people no i will i will i'm just saying backstrap and then like a carne asada type thing mm-hmm. that we do with burritos because burritos are life. And then I was almost thinking that necro steel. Yeah. Just because people, <clears throat> God dang, like we, one year we had some guys that came out, shot like four deer and they took like the prime pieces out and they're just like, no, nah, we don't take the neck meat. And I'm just like, I'll take it. So I took it and like literally ground it up and... I made a whole shitload of breakfast burritos with it. Mm-hmm. Did you make sausage or did you just make burger? Uh, no, I threw sausage in with it. Yeah, I threw pork pork fat in with it. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. And it worked. I mean, it worked good. So there's other things to do with it, but there's also other things to do with it besides grind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just irks me that people just don't want to take it yeah. off. I got to say, if you're going to, yeah. if you're going to shoot something, I think that you, sh- you better just take all the meat and you know, figure it out and yeah, make and I'm a burger or what, maybe I'm just a stick. Yeah. And I'm not going to take like the stomach fat shit. <laughs> like I'm not going to take that. And I mean, there's, I draw the line some places, <laughs> but, do, but like what? neck me is not what one is of those places. Stomach fat shit. Haven't you seen people do that? Like they take like, like you know, coal fat? yeah. Yeah. I've seen Renella wrap some meat up in it and fry it over know. a fire. I want to try it. Sorry, Steve. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Okay, okay, okay. I, I I was like, I was trying to figure out if you were talking about like flank did, steak uh, or what you were trying to no. talk about. Okay. Did I, uh, they cut the bone in half and they were, him and Clay ate bone marrow in front yeah. of me? Yeah, we got to do that too. No, we're not. Yeah. They're like, here, do you want some? And I was like, no. <laughs> Steve's like, I appreciate your. They did it at the ranch? Yeah. You didn't oh. even try it? No. 
that could be like the best thing you've ever put in your mouth and you don't even know. It's not because they described it to me as they put it in their mouths. And I was like, <laughs> I'm good. Clay's like, it really doesn't taste like anything. Steve's like, yeah, no, it doesn't. They, they did it s- raw. Oh, raw? Yeah. Raw. Oh, I thought they had like cooked it. No, I would have tried it like that, but no, we were like out there with like, we were processing Clay's deer and like they had a sawzall Mm -hmm. and cut the shank off and uh, yeah, they just, Clay's like, I've never tried that before. And Steve's like, it won't hurt you. Like, it doesn't really taste great. Like, it doesn't taste like anything. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would probably just taste like fat. Yeah. He's like, kind of tastes like, I don't want to say dirt, but like. There wasn't much to it. Mm-hmm. And Steve's like, here, like, you don't you want to have some? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he's like, I appreciate your will to not do anything you don't want to do. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> okay, okay. That, that makes more sense. It was I filmed, thought that so. they had, like, oh, no. full on been all fancy fancy and, like, maybe grilled it or done something. No, and I would so have tried it, was, it like, like cooked that. bone marrow. Yeah, yeah, I would have tried it cooked, but. <laughs> Just licking no, it No, the raw. day before, the thing was walking around. Like, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay, sorry. Back, back to it. Back it's okay. To it. It's okay. Um, That's a fun fact, though. Yeah, fun fact. Um, uh, backstrap. Oh, yeah. So, I like to... I'll just, like, season it. I think that Montreal seasoning is the best thing to ever happen to seasonings. And then... Um, shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> the, and then... You know, if they want to sponsor us, it's fine. We'll use your seasonings. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, like, something else. I don't know, like, garlic salt sometimes. Just kind of depends whatever I feel like throwing in there. But I think the key is soy sauce. And, like, splash a little soy sauce in there and leave it in the fridge for at least half a day. And then fire up the grill, or we've been cooking a lot in the... Cast iron. The cast iron, because our grill doesn't work currently. Eh, it just needs cleaned. She's smoking a little too aggressively. Yeah. <clears throat> a little too much. Um, yeah, and then throw it on there till, I mean, you hit 140 <laughs> internal temp, and then let it rest, and then slice it, and it'll be like a little bloody, but embrace it, and it's freaking good. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the, basically the favorite way that I yeah. like to make it. And I, and I honestly think that, that same somewhat technique, if you're dealing with, you know, a nice tender deer, uh, it doesn't have to be backstrap. I do that same thing with a whole eye of round or any, any of those steaks that come off of a deer. Um, I do the same type of a thing, just nice, good little sear on the outside, all of the, all of the sides. Um, yeah, I'm the same way. I use Montreal steak seasoning or, you know, any any of the random mixes and stuff mm-hmm. that we might find. I'm a big Lowry seasoning salt gal. Yeah. Big fan of that. Um, and then I also like to throw some garlic uh, or some rosemary in the pan too, and with yeah. a pile of butter because health. And yeah. then you kind of like baste the meat with the buttery garlicky rosemary and just yeah. like toss it up there and and baste the meat with that. And that always is like. I mean, you can not do that and it tastes good, but you do that. And I mean, uh, butter helps everything. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess garlic I throw in with that marinade a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And just let it sit. 
And I think uh, err on the side of like more seasoning because it's really hard to over-season that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're only coating the outside. You're not really. And a yeah. lot of it's fallen off. So <clears throat> don't be afraid of hitting it with seasoning. I think that's something like when I was growing up and eating deer, we didn't do a lot of. I don't think we seasoned the shit out of everything. And that's something that I started doing like not that long ago. I mean, a few years ago is when I was like, I think I really need to get heavy handed with the the seasonings. And that just like changes everything. I think. Mm-hmm. Um But uh yeah. What'd I you like say seasoning. was what'd you say was your second uh thing? Oh, I was gonna say like carne asada, but it's basically what we just said, except you cut it into strips. Yeah. So instead of using like burger and then putting taco seasoning into the burger, I just take whatever meat, yeah. you know, if it's round or you know, mock tender or something like that. And I just, if you can have it like half frozen, slice it super thin really easily and just like slice it really thin, small little pieces and then uh, just saute it really quickly so you don't kind of overcook it it's like a one minute in the fry mm-hmm. like just um, into the tortilla with all your goodies and mm-hmm. tacos yeah yeah so we eat that a lot I would mm-hmm. say a bit um, and then yeah I think just like to throw the necros thing in there how yeah. do you how do you do that um, that's when the pressure cooker comes in to play uh, because I was not a huge like necros person mainly because again just how i grew up butchering Mm -hmm. and stuff i was was like okay that's burger and talking with uh some friends they were like no dude like that is the sneaky best piece of meat um and since i have embraced that i will you know throw the uh, whole necros into uh my pressure cooker and pressure cooker for like an hour um like an instant pot. Instant pot, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, any pressure cooker will work. Um, with a bunch of with a bunch of stuff in there, you know. Like I'm, I throw in some wine and some uh, like beef stew seasoning packets that you can get, and um, uh, you know whatever kind of seasonings that you want. Basically, some some garlic and stuff, and I'll I'll throw that all in there um, for about an hour, hour and fifteen mm-hmm. minutes, and then. Um, take, open it, throw in my veggies and then do it for another like 30 minutes. Uh, and so that way the veggies aren't like completely pressurized to death. Um, and man, if it doesn't like, it falls apart and, and I think that it falls apart so much better than like a shoulder roast because a lot of times you'll use do like a shoulder roast and like a a deer if you wanted to you can kind of wrap everything up into a big shoulder roast instead of taking things apart and Mm -hmm. leave and cutting into steaks and I think that 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 neck meat just kind of falls apart and is so delicious and so it yeah I just and yeah the nice thing about like a stew I made a neck roast and I was here alone. Jordan was uh, guiding over in Nebraska. And so I took all the leftovers. I just kept everything in the crock pot and I took it to work the next day and put it on low and fed all of my coworkers. And they were like, holy bananas. Like, this is so good. Like, what is this? What's in it? And I kind of like tossed down like what all was in it. But ultimately, like, it's in, it's like hard to screw up a stew. Yeah. Like, you just toss whatever's in the fridge in there and it's going to work out, you know? Like, and yeah. again, just like, 
I would say like uh, being a little more aggressive with the seasonings than you think that you need to be mm-hmm. like, because it's a, but you know, you're adding water in, uh, so that way the yeah, water's kind of, yeah, yeah, it's going to dilute it. And so, yeah, just, uh, cook it until it falls apart. If it isn't falling apart, you haven't cooked it long enough. Yeah. And I think that like, if you just have a, if you don't have like an Instapot or any kind of a pressure thing, <laughs> um, I just tried to push the dog off and, uh, <laughs> she almost landed on, <laughs> oh geez. Um, but yeah, if you don't have a, <clears throat> if you just have a crock pot, you gotta do that thing for like eight hours. Oh, a long time. Yeah. It's a yeah. long time. Pressure cookers are pretty great. I'd never had one until like the last yeah. couple of years and holy schmooly. It's frozen chicken is done in like 10 minutes. Yeah. That's the nice thing is you can put it in frozen. Like you don't have yeah. to have it on thought or anything. You just like boom done it's nice yeah. um i was I gonna add in philly cheesesteak oh yeah um By all I, means. I am a big fan of again this is why it's so nice to leave your meat in like bigger chunks because you can um hold on we're dealing with puppy issues mm-hmm. here get out Go get out of here get out of here <laughs> <laughs> needy puppies you yeah, know she is um, needy. yeah know. she's being needy right now and this is distracting so she just got exiled from the office um so anyways oh it's nice to have uh your meat in the bigger chunks because then if i decide that i want to do philly cheesesteak <laughs> then i can cut it accordingly um and make it into nice like little strips and stuff like that and so yeah with that i just kind of um saute up my veggies first and get, you know, onions, peppers, garlic, all that kind of stuff going, cook those up until they're almost done. And then I will add in the meat because I don't want to overcook the meat. Mm -hmm. And then again, it's like less, it's like three minutes probably of like sauteing that meat. So it's like tender on the inside, still like stirring it all the time and then turn off your burner and then shred a ton of like pepper jack cheese or whatever your favorite mm-hmm. cheese is over the top of it and cover it and let that cheese melt. Toast up like a ciabatta bun or whatever your favorite bread is <coughs> and throw some mayo or mayonnaise, whatever your preference is on top of that guy. Yeah. And then meat, just big old, big old spoonful of meat and cheese on, t- on that. And it is so good. Oh yeah. And it, so I just good. don't think that like random stuff like that, like people think of wild game and they're like meat and potatoes. Yeah. They don't think of like all the different wild ways that you can, that you can use oh, it. Oh yeah. And like, could you do the pulled pork with it too? Yeah. What oh, yeah. would you use pulled? Like, would you use like a shoulder for that? Yeah. You could use the shoulder. You could use the neck, uh, any of the roasts, I think. And if you wanted it to have a little bit more, uh, like porky type of flavor, uh-huh. you could get like a ham hock from the store. And throw it in your pressure cooker with it, and it would give it a, a maybe give it a little bit more fat. Um, yeah. To kind of I don't know. Uh, sometimes it's nice to have that little bit of of, of fattiness in there. Um, and then uh, yeah, I would. I mean, pulled pork is basically just a roast that you've cooked that's shredded, and then you throw a bunch of barbecue sauce on it. And so yeah. you could do that with any of your. It doesn't roasts. have to be pork. No. Um, throw in a couple cans of Dr Pepper. Yeah, I I have a Dr. Pepper pulled pork recipe that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Dr. Pepper, apple cider vinegar, some dried mustard, ground mustard, and so a little yeah. bit of cayenne, and then regular seasonings, and 
cook that bad boy up, shred it, throw in, um, oh, what is that? The, the sauce. Oh, the one that I like? You like the hickory sauce. Oh, baby rays. Ba- sweet baby rays. That's yeah. yeah. So we do sweet baby rays, hickory, and then the original. Yeah. And kind of mix that up. Every I once in a while. Definitely would recommend hickory though. My sneaky way, if I can find it, is a huckleberry barbecue sauce. Yeah. Gives a little, a little berry twang yeah. going on in there. But yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. We haven't eaten yet. You can tell. <laughs> I know. We're just like <laughs> drooling about food in here. Okay. Back to the meat yeah. cutting though. Back to the meat cutting. Um, we've cut everything. Now we're going to wrap it all. We're caught up. We have questions. Oh, I know. I know. I'm, oh, okay, we're still I'm we're still getting there. We're still getting oh, there. We're on to the wrapping section. We're still getting section. to the wrapping. Sorry. Yeah. So, but we've already basically covered this. So, oh, you're yeah. going to wrap it in your freezer mm-hmm. paper, not butcher paper, freezer paper that's got a waxy side. You're going to wrap it up in the um like a uh, either a freezer or sheet or a cling cling wrap type of a thing. Um and so I just kind of wanted to talk about the technique of wrapping. Yes. Um, so you rip or you cut your sheet of freezer paper Mm -hmm. and then you, it's a square or a rectangle basically. So you're going to, you're going to put that in the shape, uh, turn it. So it's in the, uh, like a point is pointing towards you. So it's in the shape of a diamond. Then you're going to put the meat in the middle of that, maybe even a little bit towards you from the center. Mm Mm-hmm. You take the corner that is closest to you, wrap it over the meat, tuck it in real tight like, and then you take the sides and you want to kind of like tuck the sides up and then fold them over. You're trying to get as all as much air pockets out of this as you can. So you can kind of get a little aggressive with this like tuck and fold situation. So you tuck up, fold over the corner on both sides and then kind of bring all that paper in as much as possible from the from the sides so that way it's a nice kind of triangle that goes Mm to like a tip goes to a point yeah Yeah. and then you can roll that meat as many times as you need to roll it to get to your tip and then use your freezer tape to tape the tip down mark it. it toss it in your freezer you have completed your task yes (laughs) um Hopefully you can like somewhat see that in your head and maybe we should do a, like a little like 10 second video on Instagram or something like that, that yeah. is like wrapping up a piece of meat. That'd be a good idea. Um, and then uh, my biggest thing is like wrap according to the portions that you need. So Jordan and I normally wrap like two, like, or if we cut it into steaks, you do like two steaks or we could do like a pound and a half, two pound packages. But if you have a family of six, you can do yeah giant packages of Mm -hmm. burger if you wanted to and put four or five steaks in a package and different things like that so basically just as many people as you got in your family just put as much as you would want for a full meal in in your packages yeah and i sometimes will do a variety so like when i was making sausage uh with the elk i did some packages that are small so i know it's just going to be like you and i having little sausage patties or something like Mm -hmm. that making breakfast sausage sandwiches or something and then i had some that were like 
big packages, like pound and a half, two pound packages of sausage. Yeah. So if I'm having friends over for brunch or something and I know I'm going to need a bunch, I can grab the big, big piece, big package. Perfect. So it's nice to have a little bit of variety. Um, oh, hot. Damn. I did look up the plate sizes. I have a little grinding section here. All right. So the plate size for the large whole plate is going to be a six millimeter or quarter inch uh, in diameter hole for the plates. And then um, for the small plate for your second grind, uh, it's a three millimeter whole plate or an eighth of an inch. Nice. So maybe that's the numbers. Like when you look at them and they say like a number six. They're pro- it's probably three, six it's probably millimeters of diameter and the holes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, overall, like I uh, j- just to wrap it up, I don't know if I should do this right now or at the total end of this, but um, I was just saying want. like, it's nice to have like a sense of pride in your meat and like you went to the mountain and you shot it. You processed it on the mountain. You carried it off the mountain. You brought it home. You hung it up. You cut it up. You froze it. You thaw it out. You cook it up for your friends. And then you all get to enjoy a nice steak dinner. And to me, like, that's like a really big sense of enjoyment. Like, I love having friends over and cooking them a meal and being like, yeah, this is elk. Like, yeah, yeah, this is turkey. Yeah, this is is whatever. And people are always like, no way. This Mm -hmm. is actually pretty good. Like they think that it's going to taste like, I don't know, licking the ground or something. Yeah. I mean, some of the reason I wanted to share like a few of those recipes or like what we like to do with it is because I was talking to like Ike Eastman yesterday and he's like, I think that some of the deal is like, you got to figure out how to cook it because I think there's still a lot of people that like... I mean, for a lot, I mean, just to generalize, like the husband goes out and likes to hunt and does whatever, but he's not really the cooker. So he comes home and is, gives his wife like all this stuff and is, and she doesn't know how to cook it mm-hmm. and she doesn't really like it. It doesn't freaking smell like beef like she's used to or whatever. Um, there's, and then it, people don't really like it. So then because they don't eat it as often right? because yeah. they have to, you know, the family they're like, maybe what the doesn't hell do like I do it or, with it. Yeah. Um, so I think it definitely makes a difference, mm-hmm. like how you cook it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And honestly, I just think the key on that is not overcooking it. That's like the biggest thing um, yeah. is just the rarer, the better. And I understand that some people would probably look at the steaks that I eat and they're like, holy shit. And I'm like, it's like sushi, <laughs> but no. you don't have to go that aggressive. You don't no. have to go that aggressive. Um, but yeah, just like a nice pink inside will is like the way to do it. If you overcook it, it's not going to be that good. Yeah. And like, that's where I think, uh, internal temp, like a thermometer mm-hmm. is nice. Is really nice. If you're just getting into it or like if you just like i just like to know what freaking temperature it is yeah because otherwise i'm like ah, it looks like it's too rare and then all of a sudden it's too done and then you're like and there's a fine line when you're getting there like yeah i have crossed over that line multiple times and i tell you what there's not a lot that gripes my gears but grinds my gears but (laughs) um i Oh, I hate it when I overcook a steak. Like yeah. it puts me in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, all right, time to go to bed. I yeah. just, this is such a failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like 30 seconds in a pan can make the difference really if you're yeah. not paying attention. Um, so 
That's it. Uh, another thing I had written down here is when all else fails, make friends with a good butcher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have taken, like, if you don't want to buy a grinder, depends, like, how your butcher is in town. Mm-hmm. Our local processing place in Nebraska, um, I've taken my elk into him before and been like, hey, I just want sausage, but, like, can you just grind it with some sausage fat with it or uh, pork fat with it? And they have like ground it into 10 pound bags and freeze them. They froze them flat so they'd fit in the the cooler better. And then when I would want to do something with them, I would just take one of those 10 pound things out or like 15, whatever it was, and uh, thaw it out. And then I like had the grind and all I had to do was like stuff it or figure out what I wanted to do mm-hmm. with it. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to cost a service charge. We used to have people come in that would cut their own wild game and then they would just come in with their, what they wanted to be ground in a hamburger. And my dad would grind it up like pretty darn cheap, like 49 cents a pound or 69 cents a pound or something like that. Uh, That, that rate is probably comical nowadays because (laughs) like when we were looking for a place to uh, get some stuff ground around here it was like a dollar plus like that it's like pretty stinking expensive to get stuff cut and especially like we just had brats made um and it was like three to five dollars a pound or something like that so it can get pretty darn pricey um Mm -hmm. but i have some some tricks of how not to piss off your butcher <laughs> to make him like your it. friend. Roll it. Uh, so the way that I grew up is our store and butcher shop was literally connected to our house. And so there was no escaping it. So I would say that the number one gripe that my family ever had is inevitably we're sitting down to dinner. Everything is closed. The store's closed. Like we're finally sitting down to dinner. It's dark out and you get a hunter that has come off the hill and they're calling late night trying to find somewhere to, to bring this animal and oh man I just need to hang it up like you know like can I bring it by because it's on my way home and I'm gonna have to like take you know part mm-hmm. of the day off tomorrow to bring it to you blah 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 so then we're out there like skinning their deer if they didn't skin it already or splitting their elk if they haven't split it already at 10 o'clock at night in the yeah. cold when we should be, you know, sitting with the family or whatever type of a thing. That was always like the biggest like type of a situation when I was growing up. So like take the responsibility that you shot something right before dark. And if you're and and 90% of your butchers aren't going to live with the butcher shop attached, but don't call your butcher and try and get them to let you in late and get it hung up that night. Like you're, if you have to take a little bit of time off work to get it, you know, like take it home and hang it up. And then if you got to leave work early tomorrow to go get it taken to the processor, then that's what you have to do. But, uh, don't try and call and get squeeze in late. And, you know, especially honestly, if someone didn't live right at the butcher shop and they had to get in their car at nine o'clock at night, drive over to their shop, open yep. it up for you. That's jackass move. So don't be a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> I could go for a lot of things. I'll hold my tongue on. Yeah. Um, and then also like, don't leave your meat there forever. If your butcher calls you and says, Hey bro, like we finished cutting up your deer today. It's yeah. going to be 200 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever it is. Like you got to come get it. Don't be like, okay, cool. And then leave it there for a week. 
when it's the next like convenient time for you to go and get it yeah. because most processors have limited freezer space. They're trying to bust out <laughs> as much meat and as many game animals as possible in the short window of hunting season. And yep. they're low on freezer space. And if you dilly dally and don't come around for a week, I know a lot of places that will find you because they need oh, yeah. the space. Like they literally, there's there been times that you like can't cut meat because you have nowhere to put it in the freezer to freeze it afterwards. And you can't, you, that's another thing I guess I didn't like talk about. You can't cut meat and then not directly freeze it afterwards. If you've wrapped it and it's just sitting there and you're like waiting to freeze it, like you can't put it back in a cooler and then leave it there for a day and then go to freeze it because that meat is going to, drop out a bunch of blood and secretions and stuff and so if you don't directly freeze it after you cut it you're gonna have a mess like it's just gonna oh, be yeah. like slimy bloody mess like all of the corners of your meat is just gonna be dripping out blood and so you gotta you gotta freeze it directly so if your butcher calls you and tells you that your stuff's done get on your horse and go get it go get it on your horse huh <clears throat> yeah it's like a figure of speech like i know, I know. <clears throat> giddy up <laughs> um do you want to roll through some questions yeah let's do it from the insta some of these i might skip uh your favorite knife for processing this goes along with best all-in-one for skinning and butchering <clears throat> for an all-in-one honestly that that uh outdoor edge Mm. I would like as far as butchering goes, the outdoor hedge has a nice edge on it, but it doesn't have a smooth blade all the way up because it's a, a interchangeable blade. So it's got like a little lip from where the blade like holds on to oh, the spine. Yeah. I see what you mean. And it's not very big. You're talking like a three and a half inch blade. Yeah. If you're wanting to like that's it's a great knife for out in the field. Um, but if if you were wanting to actually full on butcher with that, it it would not be the best because you can't like it just the way that it is. You're not going to be able to like take the rind off very easily because it's so small and it's yeah, I just, that wouldn't be my pick of that. But like, are you talking like they want an all around blade that you can have in the field and butcher a whole thing with? Damn, that's hard. I mean, honestly go buy one of the Geisler knives or whatever. I literally was going to be like, how much did you spend on your rifle? How much did you spend on your glass? Yeah. Stop being a tight ass <laughs> and go buy yourself a butcher knife that's dedicated for just butchering that you can put a sleeve on and you don't touch yeah. it the rest of the year so it's not all dinged up and, and destroyed and it's just your meat cutting knife. It's 35 bucks. Like, just do it because none of the pocket knives, like, and, and, and like, if you're going to have, like, a, a fixed blade... They're just not going to be as pliable and as thin as something that, and as long as something that you're going to want to actually cut meat with. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, of all of your gear, you can afford both if you're affording to go hunting. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Uh, Just like filming to edit, do you cut in the field to reduce effort when you process at home? And I think, <clears throat> no, because mm-hmm. you don't want a lot of air to get to it. Yeah, just if you take out 
at all of the if you t- if you seam out everything and you take it out in little pieces, you're just gonna lose a lot more meat because inevitably in your game bags and the coolers and everything like that, it's gonna get kind of a like a slimy outer layer on it, and then you're gonna or or if it you get it air dried out, you're gonna end up with a rind on there. So you're just gonna lose more meat and you're gonna have to trim it all out again anyway. So it's not really saving you any time unless you're someone that like from the mountain goes home and directly cuts your meat, um, then it could it could save you some time. But most people hang it up for a couple of days and then it's then you're gonna have to recut everything again. So it's not gonna save you any time. Yeah, and you're gonna lose more meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can you freeze, let it thaw out, cut it again, and freeze? Yep. We did that with my deer, your deer? My deer. Your deer. Quarter still in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> well, and oh, the uh, the sheep um, that you had oh, yeah. given to you. Uh, yeah, I just had a couple of rear quarters <clears throat> of a big horn given to me. Mm-hmm. And so she brought those I have home. The, I have the tags for it now. <laughs> You don't need the tags. You just need the no, signed you do. piece of documentation. <clears throat> no, oh. you do. Yes. I got a locking tag from oh. Wyoming. Well, there you go. Um, so anyways, Jordan shows up with these quarters of of meat. We didn't have time to cut it or something like that. So we tossed it in the freezer for the weekend, went and did our thing the next mm-hmm. Monday. I threw it in the um, bathtub. And yeah. so that way it would it would be like warm up while I was at work basically. And then when I got off work, it was unthawed and we cut it up and then wrapped it and threw it in the freezer. So if you don't have time to do it, I wouldn't leave it for very long. Like I'm really cussing us that we haven't really hopped on Jordan's uh, hindquarter that she's gotten there because I'm a little worried that it's going to, you're going to get freezer freezer burnt burnt on it Mm -hmm. unless you wrap it up kind of properly. Um, but if you're just doing it for a couple of days, uh, yeah, for sure. You can throw it in the freezer and then unthaw it and cut it up. Nice. All right. This kind of goes to the, um, like when you're in the field, what do you pack out first after you quarter an animal and why? I don't think it matters. Um, in some States you have to leave the head for last. (laughs) I don't know which States those are, but we've always kind of done that um i think it's supposed to be i think the rule is in place because if these bastards are heavy and if you carry your head out with a hind quarter you're gonna be sucking wind at the end and you might say hmm i've got what i want and yep. i'm not gonna go back I don't for think the rest that maybe i should go back and that's a bunch of bullshit but it happens it probably happens more than you would like to know yeah unfortunately yeah i mean yeah yeah, so, so I think that's a good rule. You should have to wait for your, like, yeah. not to use the word trophy, but your trophy mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like your head yeah. um, at, for the very end Yeah, to motivate you to keep going yeah, back. Yeah, you have to keep yeah. going. Um, yeah, for sure. So what that's did we, what I would say. We did, uh, we did the night that I shot the elk, we did necks and oh, tenderloins yeah. with all of our gear. Yep. Because we still had all of our guns and all of our gear and stuff like that we had it all quartered and thrown in the snow and so the next day we went back in and we did the shoulders first right or the hinds i don't remember i think we did the hinds first because we were going to be coming out with a head last yeah and and we we wanted wanted the shoulder and a head shoulder and a head so it wasn't so heavy yep so that's what we did and honestly probably doesn't matter what sequence you do that in um 
And if you're a big, strong yeah. muscle guy, sure, put on more. <laughs> yeah. I am not someone that's going to throw 100 pounds on you my know, back. I could probably do it, but it might wreck me. And so. Yeah. So with two of us, we did it in three trips. I would say three. Whoops. <laughs> I would say three pretty, like, moderate moderate heavy trips i think that if we, we really wanted have. to you could have done like the night if we had deboned the shoulders we could have thrown the shoulders and the neck meat and the tenderloins and our gear split between the two of us yeah and we could have done that and then just had the head and the the hinds yeah but i think people really underestimate the weight of the head oh my god yeah <laughs> and it's just freaking off everyone wants to shoot a big one until you gotta carry it out yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it just is, like, awkward. Like, you had that thing, and it was just, Inevitably, like, it's, like, kind of bouncing or moving around. It kind of reminds yeah. me of, like, uh, trying to run when you were a kid with, like, a Jansport backpack on. Yeah. And it's, like, the backpack's bouncing all mm -hmm. over the place, and you, like, can't, like... And yeah, I could just, like, the horns were just kind of bouncing, and it's just, like, the added little little bit. And, you know, I'm sure there's lots of different ways to tie it down better or whatever to keep it from bouncing, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you underestimate that that is a solid 30 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. The shoulder and a head was a lot. If it's hot, I feel like that could make a, uh, that could be a factor because it, 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 I would probably try and get out my big portions of meat first, like the rear quarters. Yeah. Um, if you have a cooler at the truck that you've got blocks of ice in or whatever, because you want to get that those that meat out as fast as possible. Um, whereas like a tenderloin, even though it's like everyone's prized possession, mm -hmm. it's a small piece of meat that's gonna that's gonna cool off pretty quick. Pretty fast. Yeah. So I think my answer would change if I didn't have a snowbank that we were putting meat in and stuff like that. I think that if yeah, if I mean that would have changed our attitude on that hunt mm -hmm. i mean instead of throwing it in the snowbank and being like all right we're good i would have been like we got to hang this thing somewhere yeah we would have had to hike quite a ways yeah. to find a tree in order to to hang it up in but like it would have sucked that's your that's what you got to do yeah but that's know? what you got to yeah. do um <clears throat> jake says <clears throat> stop grinding shanks they deserve love <laughs> we just talked about that too uh, and then I think he said it too. Uh, gutting versus gutless. Do you really lose enough meat to make it worth the hassle? I don't know if he means the hassle of gutting. Lose or the enough meat. What? I don't know because we get all of it with gutless. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out like what yeah. meat you're losing. Um, you can get the inner loins out gutless. What do you think about that? It, I mean, it's not easy. Well, one of the things that was a pain in the ass with that was he was laying on a hill mm -hmm. and it was hard to get him rolled on his stomach. If you can roll them on their stomach and like get the tenderloins out, like skin down the sides, get the tenderloins out first and then get the inner loins out, it's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But when they're on their side like that, yeah, we're kind of on our head. Up, yeah. You got to, and you, you know, you really got to be able to shove your knife like kind of into the, the back of their hip and really kind of like circle around that. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can pull it, but you're kind of like ripping the meat. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think if you do it right, like you're not wasting any meat doing the gutless method. Yeah. Um, 
I grew up gutting everything and like you can do it quick and you can do whatever, but like, especially if you've shot far back, if you can do the gutless method and stay away from the, the guts and you're not going to contaminate, uh, your meat, then yeah, stay out of there. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you're someone that likes to take the heart and the liver home, well, you're going to have to get inside. You have to do it. But as far as like kind of cleanliness, it's nice to do the gutless method because you're not like elbow deep into to gutting something and and it just like keeping your area. So like a deer, you can gut it and then drag it 20 yards away. Yeah. Whereas like an elk, you gut it. And if it's if you're by yourself, <laughs> you're not dragging the thing. No. And even if it's just like you and I, we, we wouldn't have drug it very no. far. Like, you no. know, and so it's so, kind of nice not to have a gut pile that you're like stepping around or have to like drag away or, or I don't know. Just. Yeah. How long would you say it takes to package the average elk? Um, by yourself. Like, cut it and package it. I would say... Yeah. Oof. I don't know. Sometimes... Isn't it a deer four hours? If I'm by myself and I'm being anal about how I want everything, like, super clean and, and stuff, I can normally do a deer in about three hours. If I So I would just double that and... I think it took my dad and I about four hours to do my elk this year. And so basically if you're, if it takes two of you four hours, it's going to take one of you eight hours. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so, and, and I mean, you can be as quick and slice through it as fast as you want, but I, uh, I, I have some buddies that will leave like the silver skin and on kind of all the trimmings and stuff on the meat. And wrap it with oh, that on yeah. there. Uh, and then they don't wrap with like the uh, saran wrap type of stuff because they're saying that that silver skin and the outside kind of layers is what they're kind of using as a buffer and it's protecting the meat. And so then when they unthaw it, then they have to trim it all up. And my theory is when it's six o'clock at night and I've worked all day and I yeah. want to cook, I don't want to have to pull out my butcher knife and like s- cut it all up and trim it all up again. Mm, um, yeah. And so that's, so, I mean, if you did that, you'd whip through it in no time. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it just like kind of depends on how, how you want to do it. Um, but yeah, I would say on, on average an elk's probably by myself is going to take me a solid eight hours just cause they're so freaking wow. big. They're big. And, and just wrapping. Holy schmoly. Oh, you know, something that I didn't touch on is so like with a deer, you can probably cook, you can cut it up fast enough that you can have everything sitting there and then wrap it all up with an elk. You can't, there's, if you were to put the first steak on the table and leave it there until you were done cutting the last steak. The first steak that you cut up is going to have a rind on it already. Like it's going to, it will have dried out and. If you don't wrap it. Yeah. Like So yeah. if you're doing a big wild game piece, like you're going to have to almost wrap every quarter. And most of the time, nobody has enough table space to actually have all the steaks and stuff like lined out for that long anyways. Yeah. But yeah, like you might need to stop wash your hands so you aren't getting your wrapping paper all all bloody and stuff and like wrap everything from that quarter after you're done with that quarter because if you wait too long you'll it'll dry out and it'll end up putting another rind on your steak that you just cut the rind off of yeah not good Mm -hmm. um 
the last question I'll leave with the weirdest thing you've ever found when cutting meat. I would almost say processing a deer. Broadheads. Yeah, it's always broadheads. Yeah, I seems. found a broadhead. Yeah. And a little bit of a shaft in mine. Uh, last mine. year, my dad's cow elk that he got had a broadhead from uh, a broadhead and half of the shaft of the arrow still. And it was basically the shaft was had been broken off at uh, it. Someone must have been shooting a frontal shot and shot high and basically went in at the top of the shoulder blade and straight down the tenderloin so the shaft was broke off at the top of the shoulder blade and the arrow was completely just parallel with its spine just laying in there in the tender my dad was like oh my tenderloin (laughs) (laughs) but it was like 10 inches of of arrow and the broadhead in there but yeah that's probably the most common um i've I've seen a lot that have like (coughs) broken legs that have healed themselves I've seen a lot yeah. that have, like, you can tell that they were, like, shot high in the backbone with even a rifle, and it, like, didn't paralyze them. It just was in no man's no land, man's. and it's yeah. just a ball of scar tissue. And I'd cut around that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, oh, you can't. If anybody's listening. Yeah, that, you cut that out. Yeah. That is unedible. Um, and, yeah, just, like, random, like, poke holes and stuff from the rut. We've seen a lot of, like just stab wounds that you're like what the heck is this and then it's like a huge bruise in like the shoulders or something or the the rump where they like got stabbed while they were fighting yeah um yeah that's probably about it yeah i mean we're uh a while into it what are we i think an hour 30 ah, that's not bad i'm pretty <laughs> long-winded <laughs> i can no. while. <laughs> um but yeah i think that uh we probably got <clears throat> went through everything. I'm gonna give a shameless plug to the High Camp Outdoors Instagram page. <laughs> That's basically like us two doing our thing, I guess. Yeah, just outdoor adventuring around the two of us and yeah. little Ed. Yeah, uh, but a lot of that is about like us two and our little puppy. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yep, there's my plug. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. So. Um, yeah, just like closing remarks is have fun, yeah. cut your own stuff, be proud of it. You mm-hmm. shot it. You can, uh, yeah, I have some <laughs> friends that like to put the deer that they shot that year hanging. Like if you have a European mount or whatever, they put it in the kitchen or on the, next to the dining room. Mm-hmm. So that way, every time that they eat that deer, they can kind of like be like, hey, there he is right there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, be proud of it. And like we do all this stuff to like, hunt and fish and all these things and like this is just the next step of of it is being able to process your own meat and cook it up and love it yeah and don't be afraid to try different things with it yeah explore Mm -hmm. don't be a tight ass go buy yourself a nice butcher knife yeah and drink black rifle coffee (laughs) for the best damn coffee around (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, we're out.